You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Thank you for listening. My name's Charlotte Greenway and it's Friday the 22nd of October. In this episode, we'll revisit some of the interviews this week as part of the lead-up to the final Group 1 of the UK flat season, the Verton Futurity Stakes at Doncaster. It's a race that has produced five subsequent derby winners, most recently Camelot, who was trained by Aidan O'Brien, and it's a race which Aidan has won nine times. This year, he looks to a son of Camelot in Luxembourg, who's already favourite for next year's derby, and Lee Mosthead was very impressed with his win in the Beresford Stakes on only his second outing, but explained to Nick earlier in the week why he'd still be wary of backing the favourite. I'm a big fan. Um, certainly Shamie Heffernan has said he's, that this is his favourite horse in Ballydore. Now, you might expect Shamie to say uh, wonderfully positive things um, about the horse, given he, he works for, for Aidan O'Brien, Ballydoyle and Coolmore. Um, but I thought in his most recent outing, there was an enormous amount to like. Um, Aidan O'Brien was at Newmarket that day. And funny enough, I, I, I spoke to him in that pre-parade ring at Newmarket after Luxembourg had posted his, his group two success at the Curra. And at that point, Aidan hadn't seen the race. Um, so I was always asking him to comment on a race he hadn't seen, but he talked to me about what he expected the horse would have done. And I was able to say to him, yes, he, he did all that. So he won the race in the style that Aiden expected. I thought he was tremendously impressive. Um, I backed him for the derby um, straight after that race. Um, but this is a different sort of test. And it's a test that he goes into um, with the stables horses seemingly not in flying form. It was well talked about at Ascot on Saturday that Ballydoyle's recent record hasn't been great, particularly with their runners in Britain. And I'm absolutely certain that bookmakers on Saturday will be out to get Luxembourg because they'll think that for all he has a, a huge reputation and for all that he was desperately impressive at the Curra last time, they'll see that the stables horses haven't been performing to their expected level. And I think that has to be a concern. Roger Varian won this race in 2013 with Kingston Hill and he's hoping that Bayside Boy might be able to improve on his third behind native trail in the Dewhurst last time with a step up to a mile. The Varian team bagged a group one last weekend at Ascot and when Nick spoke to him this morning he put it to him that the horse must have a pretty good constitution to be back out again just 14 days after the Dewhurst. He seemed in great form Nick um, really came out of a Dewhurst well and you know, that was only two weeks ago, so we haven't done uh, too much of him in between. But he's, you know, he looks great for the time of the year, and um, he, he seems to be holding his form at home anyway. Uh, and was it always a, a plan to take in both races, or has he surprised you with how well he's done since the Dewhurst? Well, we spoke about his options after the Dewhurst, which was, uh, you know, the French race on the same day, the race and post trophy, or possibly taking him to the States for the juvenile turf and you know we were going to let his well-being 
uh, dictate to us really and you know we've been so pleased of him since the Dewhurst um, you know we've we've opted to go to Doncaster whether that's the right decision or not we'll see how we go on Saturday but we couldn't be more pleased you know with his condition and I think he brings a, a high level of form into the race his half-brother, Forrest Ranger, acted very well with, with cutting the ground and there was a little ease when he, he won the champagne. It'll be much softer tomorrow. Uh, is that in any way a concern? I think it's a question mark. I wouldn't call it a concern, but he'd have to prove he goes on it uh, uh, as soft as it's going to be tomorrow. Um, yeah, we've seen you know Forrest Ranger's form. We've seen some New Bay uh, progeny recently winning uh, on soft ground, um, which can be a point that he showed. It certainly wasn't an inconvenience on the good to soft at the, at the ledger meeting when he won their champagne. I think that his running style in every race, although he's not yet gone beyond seven furlongs, I think every time he's run, he's, he appears to be doing his best work late on to suggest that you know he could he could even improve when he when he steps up to the mile. So we're very much looking forward to seeing him run over the mile. The ground, yes, is a is a question mark and puts maybe more an emphasis on stamina than speed. But I think if he handles conditions, then he brings you know a very high level of form into the race. Mark Johnston runs Royal Patronage, who's won his last three, and last time ran down the very highly regarded Caribus in the closing stages at Newmarket in the Group 2 Royal Lodge. He stayed the mile extremely well that day, and he looked sure to give Luxembourg something to think about, so when Nick caught up with assistant trainer Charlie Johnston on Thursday, he asked how the horse's prep had gone in the lead-up to this. He's had an identical prep into this as he had into the Royal Lodge. He did a little piece of work on, on Saturday. Uh, Johnny Pete, our apprentice who uh, rides him all the time, sat on him and uh, we're all very happy with that. So um, it's all systems go. Um, has he been and is he as straightforward a horse as he looks to us on the race course? Yeah, very much so. Um, he was he was actually broken, broken elsewhere in the early stages and then came into us and was yeah straightforward from the word go we he was always showing a bit more speed than we maybe expected and as a result we ran him over six first time out um and he got caught out and then we stepped up to seven at sandown and we're a little bit disappointed to get beat four lengths on that occasion but um turns out that was behind native trails that doesn't look so bad now does it and then the horse has just continued to to improve leaps and bounds with every run since yeah you, you said you were a little bit uh, surprised by the amount of speed he showed you at home do, do you think that was just in fact his class that he was just a he's just a very good horse almost certainly um and even actually after he won the Acom, you know we were debating for quite a while about staying at seven furlongs for the champagne uh, versus stepping up to to a mile for the Royal Lodge, um, because you know I still felt even at, even at York he was showing plenty pace through the middle part of the race, um, and in actual fact, you know, the deciding factor between those two races was as much entries as anything else. Um, the entries for the Champagne had closed before he won his maiden at Epsom, and he wasn't in it and the entries for the Royal Lodge had closed after that and he was in it um, so when we had to stump up nine grand to supplement for the, the champagne and it was looked pretty tough we decided to go the to go the mile route to the Royal Lodge and in hindsight thank God we did because um, you know he showed he showed there that he really relished the mile and looks a horse that is gonna you know stay further next year now he's, he's won with a bit of cut in the ground he hasn't won on ground as soft as it's going to be at Doncaster is that any kind of a worry um, it's always a 
concern when you you know you're taking conditions that are that are new to you. And it was a good to stuff twenty one at Epsom. I so you you know on pedigree, um, there's plenty indication they will handle the ground, but you never know for certain until you try. Clearly, you're up against a a, a much vaunted rival in in Luxembourg. When you watched Luxembourg's win in the Beresford Stakes, did you think, oh, there's a horse I, I don't fancy taking on? Or did you think, yeah, happy to have a crack at him? <laughs> well, this is uh, this is probably something I should admit, but um, I actually haven't watched Luxembourg's win in the Beresford Stakes. <laughs> um, I think that was on a day when Royal Patronage was winning at Newmarket and I was saddling four or five runners at Ripon that afternoon. Um, and we had runners did around four or five tracks as is the norm for a Saturday and um, watching Aidan O'Brien's runners at Leopardstown was fairly a long way down my list of priorities so um, yeah as often the case we um, we focused on the fact in, in our control which is our horse and um, yeah look Aidan's Aidan's record in the race speaks for itself and you know he's going to have a have a huge number of horses to choose from in this kind of bracket and the fact that he's chosen this one as his leading contender means that we have to give him a huge amount of respect but um, you know, I don't think anyone can argue with the form that's in the book with our fella. This week we spent a lot of time on the podcast discussing the deal that Art proposed with regards to an extra £5 million in prize money in return for nine race cards on the all-weather throughout the winter. This has divided opinion and was subsequently rejected and one of those not in favour of this deal was trainer Rafe Beckett who is a prominent member of the National Trainers Federation and he explained his view to Nick on Tuesday. Both the PJA and the NTF felt that the deal wasn't that good anyway. It was opaque, a long way from being transparent or binding from Mark's point of view. And uh, despite that, we got very close to an agreement. But but that's five million pounds that that the sport is now not going to have, and yet the people who pay your bills, the owners, said that they wanted it. How do you square that with your owners who said, "Well, our association voted to to take this deal, and and you've decided that you don't like it for reasons that are rather unclear." That, that's not true. Rupert was very clear in his statement after after the deal broke down last night. Arc were proposing an increase in race volume in race volume during the winter or weather period in return for the additional prize money. Martin's been very clear that uh, Arc are much happier with ten races of seven runners than they are with seven races of ten runners. He said that to me a number of times. And uh, I don't believe that punters who pay for this sport are in agreement with that. I don't think anybody believes that. It suits, it suits ARC to have that deal. It doesn't suit the long-term prosperity of the sport. It doesn't fit with the long-term prosperity of the sport. We're heading in a direction that Greyhound Racing went many years ago. And uh, look what's happened to them. Rafe, a lot of trainers who you've been closely aligned with, John Gosden being the most prominent one who springs to mind, when talking about levy reform, have said racing needs to to show that it can help itself before it goes to government with a with a begging bowl, for want of a, a better phrase. And now government can just turn around and say, well, so much for self-help. You've just turned down five million quid. Well, I would say that uh, short fields 
i.e. three and four runner races in February and March, which would have happened under this deal, uh, under the BHA's own modelling. I would say that's self-harm, not self-help. So, Rafe, what's going to happen now? Well, first of all, this deal, once broken down, wasn't what Martin led us to believe in terms of prize money. You know, once it was spread out, nine race cards, you know, it wasn't going to be what he would have us believe it was going to be. That's the first thing I would say. Second thing I would say is this deal has got to be transparent, binding, sustainable, and for the long term. That's the PJA and NTF's position. And uh, neither of neither body believes that was the case with the deal as it was written. So is it about having the same amount of races as there are and more money for those races rather than... You, you, you basically don't, don't like the idea of added, added races on the cards. No, I don't, I don't. That's not true, Nick. I don't like the idea of short fields. That's what I don't like, personally. And that's what the NTF and PJA don't want. Short fields don't suit uh, the PJA and they don't provide a compelling product. And punters want to bet on competitive racing and the punter funds the sport. But isn't your first responsibility to your owners? We're not going to grow, we're not going to grow, make the sport sustainable for the long term if we don't have comp- compelling fi- racing with an average field size of, cl- of between eight and nine or close to eight. That provides a sustainable product for the long term. This isn't about the short term, but this deal, this deal was a short term deal that had long term consequences. That was our belief. Rafe, what does this say about the effectiveness or otherwise of the Horseman's Group? Uh, the, the Horseman's Group does a very good job, but the way the sport is structured means that the participants are up against uh, corporations, and the participants all have their own businesses to deal with. We're trading horses, or riding horses, or looking after horses, and... That's our main occupation. In that sense, we are compromised when dealing with corporations like Art or the Jockey Club. Nick also spoke to Charlie Parker on Tuesday and Mick Appleby and Dr Jim Walker on Wednesday who gave their views on this matter. So if you missed any of these, I'd recommend going back and catching up. And that then brings this episode to a close. There is, of course, flat action from Newbury and jumping from Cheltenham as well tomorrow. So I hope you enjoy all of that. Have a great weekend and thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.